0: well we're back again and with another rogue table talk episode and it's number mr 10. number 10 Number 10 man we're rolling Mm-mm. 10 weeks double figures
1: double figures who would have thunk it th- yeah <laughs> when we started these 10 weeks ago <laughs> <laughs> yes so it's me and mike
0: Hello. in the house and jacob and we just came from a, a, vivace- a vivacious meeting. A vivacious. It was vivacious. Teaching team meeting. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. We, and, and we talked about, uh, about Gideon.
1: Talked about Gideon, the book of Judges. Um, and again, if you uh, are just joining us, uh, you can check out, I think, week six. So there's a little bit of an overview of the book and a lot of the patterns that we'll see. And uh, there's some resources uh, on the website. I think a whole story video. For the book of Judges, and so that's, if you're just joining us, welcome. Thank yeah, you. welcome. This yes. is your first time. I know right.
0: we had we mentioned it, I had mentioned it in the sermon last week, we're going to get some more mentions in other places, mm-hmm. but uh, if you're just checking us out, mm-hmm. um, we're, we're, we're glad. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. We hope it's beneficial for your yeah. time.
1: And uh, so what we're doing here is we kind of use the sermon topic as a uh, starting point. It's Tuesday of, you know, the sermon isn't written yet. So it's just stuff we've talked about. And maybe we'll go in a different direction or a direction of culture or stuff, stuff that wouldn't make it into a message necessarily. And uh, we'll just see where it takes us. But we are going to look at uh, Judges six and seven and maybe eight or whatever. It's a long. It's a long story. Uh, Hopefully, it won't be too long of a podcast. Uh, But we're going to look at Gideon. uh, And to start out the story of Gideon, like all the stories of all the judges, start (laughs) there's this cycle that um, they have good times, uh, peace, prosperity, whatever. If they drift from the Lord, uh, then there's, you know, there's disobedience. Then there's some sort of bondage or oppression. Uh, usually some foreign nation comes in, they cry out, God raises up a judge to deliver them. They have peace and the, and the cycle repeats. And one of the things we see is the cycles get sort of like the peace gets like shorter and the, um, the deliverance gets messier. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's a downward spiral. In other words, it's not back to a reset. It's kind of every time uh, it goes down and down. And we see that in this story uh, as well. And so we see that uh, Judges six one, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years He gave them into the hands of the Midianites. And we've we've said this before. This is God acting. God gives the nation His people in what is to be their promised land into the hands of this foe. And there's great oppression. It, uh, it describes them as being super numerous and they come and just camp out and kind of just wreck the land. It's mm-hmm. just like just like woodstock in everyone's farm everywhere <laughs> over the country. And so they just take all the food and they kill all the, the livestock and so on and so on. And I think our story opens with Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press in order to be secret, in order to keep it away from the Midianites. He's trying to keep a little food for himself. And the angel of the Lord appears to him and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon replied, pardon me, my Lord, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, "Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt?" But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, "I don't think he realizes he's talking actually to uh, to the angel, to the angel Lord. Lord. Right? And, uh, <laughs> Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord," Gideon replied. "But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family." The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down the Midianites, leaving none alive. And Gideon replied, if, you, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it's really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. So Gideon goes and prepares some food. He brings it back. The angel of the Lord touches it with his staff and it's consumed like an offering of of fire. And you know, all of a sudden Gideon knows how I was talking to you know the angel of the Lord. So let's maybe just pause there for a second. the story hasn't really started and there's already a lot going on to talk (laughs) about that. There's a, there's a contrast Gideon sets up that I think we often set up Mm -hmm. that, you know, God's promises and our experiences and, you know, pardon me, my Lord, but if you were, you know, if I was, I'm your child, if I'm, if your promises are true, why is all of this stuff over here happening? Why does this look like this? Why am I not having that? And that's a, you know, that's probably should roll that question around. Why indeed, if, mm-hmm. you know, if God is with us, won't it feel better? Won't it look better? Won't it, won't life be smoother? Isn't that how I know God is with me? Cause everything is good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you see this a few times in the Bible. This this is a... To me, this is a normal question. It's a normal knee-jerk reaction. I do it. We do it. Um, and here's the thing. Gideon looks really polite doing it. Mm-hmm. Pardon me. Pardon me, my Lord. Excuse me, but I don't quite understand. But it actually... It's probably good that he doesn't quite recognize who he's talking yeah. to. Because mm-hmm. he gets an honest answer. Sure. And, and Gideon gets his honest thoughts out which are basically the reason we're in the situation now, and you're talking, you know, I've heard these stories about God who acts on behalf of his people, um, but the reason we're in this situation now is because God hasn't done anything. So his questions betray his true premise, which is, I don't think God is with us because look at the bad things that are happening. Right. And if God was with us, why are the Midianites over us? I mean, if God was with us, things would be better. Things would be better. Things yeah. would be easier. Things would be easier. Things be would smoother. be nice. It'd be right. smoother. If He was with me in my job, I was suppo- If we were supposed to move to this city, it would be easier.
1: And it's amazing that there, you know, that so it repeats itself over and over again. Not only through the whole biblical story, but through our own lives. That whole question of, you know, I must have done something wrong because this bad thing happened or and it's so counter to the experience of the bible over and over again we see the opposite of that that you know obviously jesus had a hard life paul talks about you know shipwrecked and 40 lashes minus one and you know hunger and thirst and all this stuff that he's you know pressed down and crushed but does not despair and uh you know hebrews 11 the end of hebrews 11 that the chapter of faith, and by faith they did this, and by faith they did that, and everything sounds great. And then you get to the end of the chapter, and, is, and they were sawn into. Yeah. And they lived in caves. And, you know, the world was not worthy of them, and they didn't really themselves experience the promise. But yeah,
0: they finished that because yeah, finish it's, and none of them ever received n- the promise. None of them
1: they, that we are the fulfillment of the promise to them. Yeah. And yet all of that being the case throughout the whole Bible that, you know, smooth circumstances is not a sign that God is with me in yeah. rough circumstances. is not a sign that God is not with me yeah. and that, you know, I'll be with you always. Um, and yet, you know, what, why is that? Why do we do that? I mean, what plays into that, right? I mean, our culture plays into that, right? Yeah. Success oriented culture. Yeah. I, I just do the right things, get the right degree, live in the right neighborhood, get the right job, and you will have a good life, right? Yeah. Do the right things.
0: A, a building orientation, uh, forward-moving orientation, uh, upward momentum. But the challenge is, is that, that, that all of us interpret through flawed lenses. We interpret through our cultural context. So we might take something in the Bible and say, well, this means this, but really it means this to me because I'm a uh, Western white male Um, interpreting it that way. And so, yeah, it's easy to, to mistake that for me, what's helpful and it may not be helpful for everyone. So throw it away. I don't care, but uh, it's helpful to differentiate between three types of suffering. Maybe that come into our lives. Uh, There's suffering because we live East of Eden. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just, this the, is how it the is. The world is broken.
1: It's broken. We live in a broken world. There's
0: conflict. There's mm-hmm. tension. There's war. There's sin. That's, that's how it is. And so I think it's a little bit of what you're talking about is just because things are broken and flawed and I'm going to feel that and it's going to impact me doesn't mean that I have necessarily done anything to bring that upon myself. Right. So there's that. Um, and then there's uh, suffering specifically for a Christian's faithfulness. Mm -hmm. So you're living out your faith and then you could call this persecution. Mm -hmm. You're persecuted. Um, The, the, you know, culture or whoever Mm -hmm. doesn't like you. Family doesn't like you because you're a Christian. So that's another type. And then there's the third. And I think we see this here uh, specifically with, with Gideon, which is, he exposes it. Um, You, you have done something. You, You have incurred, Uh, you know, what here is called judgment, uh, for Christian, we may say discipline, Mm -hmm. you could say judgment, but, you know, discipline might be more helpful for people to understand. It's God's, you're his child, but you keep living in such a wayward way that he loves you so much, he doesn't want you to... He's intervening. He's intervening. On on your behalf, even though it's painful, there's suffering there. Right. And and this is the strange thing you see in Gideon, but he, Lord, abandoned us. Yeah. And this is the temptation when we're in that place is to put blame on God. Mm -hmm. Well, where was God? Mm -hmm. Where is God? He's not here, obviously, because if he was here, da-da-da-da. The
1: irony is God standing right in front of him when he's having this conversation. That is a good irony. God is coming to rescue, and he's getting a complaint from the person you know, somebody's lost at sea and you finally show up to rescue him. And it's like, where have you been? (laughs) You're angry at the person (laughs) who shows up. up. Biting the hand that feeds you. (laughs) I do think that, you know, we are, we're against the prosperity gospel. Uh, And yet there's part of us that this is sort of a minor league prosperity gospel mentality that if you just have enough faith and do the right things and practice the right religious things your bless blessing will come. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean, material blessing, yeah. you know, family blessing, so on and so on. Um, and that's a hard thing for us to shake. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's a hard, it's a, that idea dies hard in us.
0: And, and, and I would maybe, what do you think about this? It's my own point. So it, it we can argue with it. I, last week, uh, the difference between short term change and long term change, right? If I want God for God's sake, then I'll be more open to whatever comes yes. my way. But if I only want God to get rid of the discomfort, that's, a, that's like right. what you just said, a minor league right. kind of prosperity gospel. Yep. like yep. you got to pave the way before me. The view of
1: God. Right. I think that's right. And I do, that's a good way of thinking about it. If I'm really living on the big story, all of the stuff that happened to Paul made sense to Paul. Because Paul knew he was living in this big story and this isn't heaven yet. He's on mission. He knew it was going to be difficult, so on and so on. Uh, but if we're living in a, our own small story where really all I'm, all I'm about is safety, comfort, security, whatever, then God's going to keep seeming to disappoint me because I'm not going to get those here, which if I'm living in the bigger story, I would know that, right? Yeah. I, would, I would not be... Uh, expecting everything to be wonderful here on earth yeah, Uh, because this isn't the place where everything's wonderful.
0: Well, I love it. And it's so ironic to me that it is disappointing, but it's actually an invitation to greater and deeper joy. You know, it's a surface level disappointment, but the whole time God is inviting me to a greater level of purpose and meaning and being engaged in the world, Mm -hmm. which is actually more satisfying than just living for the smaller Comfort, right? I'm going to continually be disappointed, but if I only interpret it as disappointment, then I'm going to stay stuck on it as opposed to, Oh, what if God's taking me to deeper places? What does that mean?
1: He's got a bigger story for me to live out. Um, okay. So Gideon, um, realizes this is God calling him to do something. And the first link in his, the chain, so the, you know, the Midianites are, are everywhere oppressing and so on. The first thing to do is to go to his dad's house and tear down the altar to Baal, chop down the asherah pole build an altar to the lord and sacrifice a bull and uh and he does that he goes at night uh but he's, he sets the ball in motion so why is this the first step well you know he doesn't go out and start raising an army to fight the midianites or whatever he you know go do this first mm-hmm. like what's that about yeah
0: yeah uh, for a few things, um, I think one thing is is it signifies the real issue of the day. Midianites were not the real issue and and maybe you can speak more to that that God is helping gideon uh, let's say identify the root issue mm-hmm. and not treating the symptom mm. So the symptom of the root issue is you're being oppressed by the Midianites because God's bringing judgment upon you, but why is God bringing judgment upon you? Because you keep worshiping idols. Right, yeah. You're not faithful in your worship of right. God in a holistic sense. Not you, you know, didn't make it to church. It's the holistic, you're... I would say it's on the, on the parallel of apostasy, mm-hmm. walking away from the faith. Right. right. And so this is the problem... And so the Midianites aren't necessarily
1: (laughs) the issue, right? Right. God brought the Midianites because of the problem. The Midianites are not the problem. Um, You know, God brings them to get them to shake them eventually to produce a unbearable situation that they have to do something to address the problem. Yeah. Right. Um, as we've talked about before, this is the cycle where God graciously intervenes and the Midianites are as evil as they are, as bad as they are, as whatever arbitrary as they are. Um, and so, you know, the Midianites are not the problem. They're, they're what happened after the problem.
0: So, so bring that, bring that maybe a little bit, bit uncomfortably close to home. Mm -hmm. Like how do we tend to make quote unquote, the Midianites the problem? as opposed to going into my own backyard and saying, oh, oh,
1: maybe there's something wrong with my own, you know. Yeah, I do, it's interesting where I, I don't, so I, I think this happens, I think this happens, I think it's constantly happening. I think it happens all the time, just some, it's a matter of degree and whatever. Okay. So, you know, we want to buy a book that is six to steps to joy. Okay. Right. Or, yeah. right. Or, Wait,
0: what? There, why? Did you look in my library? Sorry. Gosh, dang it. <laughs> it's actually 67 yeah. steps a, to joy, joy and I'm working on it. Yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> actually, sorry. If you looked in my library, you would not find a, a book on how to get to joy. <laughs> yeah. Or three things, you know, three movements to contentment or whatever As yes. if the thing that we don't have joy, that that's, that's the problem. And where's God? I don't have any joy in my life. And it's almost like we're getting it backward. Oh, that's good. Right? So if I'm seeking after God and I'm broken for God, and like the psalmist said is, Lord, I have no joy. That's the thing that God wants us to do Mm. too. Because it isn't about the joy. The joy is something that comes after. Mm. It's the fruit of God. You know, the fruit of the Spirit comes because the Spirit's in me bearing this fruit. And I want the fruit without the spirit. I mean, I don't, but I feel like I can get the fruit. like. Give me six steps to really one step. Be filled with the spirit, right? I mean that. Yeah. So I think that's what we we do this all the time. We're all we're all guilty of it. In that, oh, I don't my I'm, my life is unsatisfying in some way that I think I should have if uh, God was closer. Therefore, God, why are you not closer? when it's really, I got to move in his direction. I've got to bring my brokenness to him. I've got to bring my lack of joy to him or my fear or my, you know, if God was with me, why would I be afraid? If God was with me, why why would I be depressed? Instead of like the psalmist saying, I got to bring my, I bring my depression to you, my blackness, my bleakness, my whatever. And what, what I really need is you. Yeah. Yeah. This is
0: great because, and friends, if you missed that, please rewind it. Do you, do you do that? On, is that what it's <laughs> called? Rewind on a podcast? Scroll backwards a little, put your finger on the dot, and <laughs> 10 second rewind. Whatever. I'm 39. Give me a break. <laughs> uh, because this is when I say it. When this is a conversation about everything. Because for us, when we do this, we have lost. The bearing of seeking God for God's sake. Mm -hmm. Now we are seeking an experience for our sake, and we need God to provide the experience. Yeah, you're the transaction. So uh, one of my one of my favorite authors, uh, Brendan Manning, he used to say something like this: Anyone who seeks an experience seeks himself. Mm. So if we're seeking the the high that comes from God, the joy that the what the anything the comfort, mm-hmm. we're seeking the thing, then we're not less letting God reveal himself to us on his terms. Right. And right. and his terms are whatever he reveals himself to us at, at the moment, at right. the time, whether it's, right. like you said, depression, grief. It can be joy. That's fine. Mm-hmm. All of those are fine. Um, but the point is, we're not seeking that experience. We're seeking him. And whatever he brings our, way, he brings our way is what's good for us.
1: Yeah, and I think that... It's important to say that we're all cyclical to some degree, that we're all human, we're alive, Um, we have somewhat cyclical experiences. There will be dry times, there will be time, there will be joyless times, and instead, what we can do because we think, well, maybe that means I've done something wrong and God's not, what I'll do is deny my joylessness instead of saying, sort of admitting it and using that to go back to to the Lord. No, no, I'm joyful. Right, you know, through gritted teeth. I'm joyful because I'm supposed to be, because that means God's with me, instead of just, ah, I don't, I mean, I feel like God's a million miles away. And I feel like when I pray, it doesn't get past my bedroom ceiling. And I don't know what to do. That's instead a of, Shakespeare reference. Yes. Yeah. It is. It is yeah, it's, words it's without true. thoughts words never words. to
0: heaven go. That's right. That's uh, a Shakespeare reference. It's, Look at
1: you. <laughs> <And so laughs> He's I, just going to try to slide that out there
0: and keep moving.
1: <laughs> King's English. <laughs> um, and I think that instead of just admitting, instead of saying again, like I keep referring to the psalmist, it's like the psalmist says, I feel like you're, you know, you're not hearing me. Yeah. You know, and that's actually the the movement that brings us. Independence and brokenness back to him, that's which great. is the thing that we really should, you know, long for. But but that's hard yeah. for us, right? And so yeah, I just think it, it, give yourself grace to admit the the drifting. Yes, and and so that yeah. now I'm going to respond back. Yeah, that's really good. It's
0: okay. It's, it's okay. okay,
1: right? Everyone, every it's every everyone okay. does. You're it. on the cycle. Yes. I'm
0: on the cycle. We're spiritual growth can be two steps forward one step back you know three steps forward two steps back mm-hmm. it, it's just a it's a never ending uh, uphill battle going forward, but we're going forward slowly. And sometimes we, uh, we take those hits. You know what? You reminded me. So this is how we work. You, th- you try to slide things out, <laughs> and then I'm so pretentious, I want people to know that I know where it's coming from. And so then I tell people where it's coming from. And uh, so I think I quoted Augustine a few weeks ago. i have to bring him back up here, because everything you were saying about, no, it's okay. Meet God where you are. Uh, bring your depression to him. Bring your cycle to him. Bring your this to him. Like I'm on this downward slope, uh, because Augustine said, um, God does not meet us where we are not. He
1: yeah, cannot meet you Where else can he
0: meet? He you, cannot meet right? you where yeah. you're pretending yeah. that you are. Yes. He can only meet you when you're real and true, honest self. And your real, true, honest self is very much like Gideon, mm-hmm. F- afraid, mm-hmm. questioning, right, doubting, right uh struggling little with a little put out yeah. Like the situation. yeah i'm a little frustrated what? pardon so, me, re- lord. Yeah. Pa- pardon me my lord <laughs> <laughs> he yeah so rather than no i'm fine and let's keep going through the motions like bring those
1: yeah you know, honest and real places right. and that's where that's where he meets that's us. where he meets us so um in I guess in Gideon's next step or his in maybe in his defense he then does actually he is honest with the lord and 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 uh he does go do this thing that you know this he goes at night yeah he goes at night yeah you know give him a little slack yeah he goes at he's, night.
0: he's not the bravest guy no. as we continue to yeah. see through the right. whole narrative yeah
1: he goes at night and he cuts down the the, the altar he takes that first step uh and uh, there is a response who did this Gideon Gideon kind of they get they, they somewhat rename him Jerob Baal mm-hmm, right Which the, is, like hacker yeah, yeah the terror downer yeah, the terror downer of Baal's you know let Baal let Baal contend Bell with contend him. The right right yeah. right um and so that's the first step and okay now next step gather some gather an army together and and go fight the Midianites God's promised victory and then we get the whole fleece episode yeah right, where, okay, if you're really with me, I'll put the fleece out one night, and the fleece will be wet, the ground will be dry, okay, check the box, okay, I need another night,
0: <laughs>
1: uh, and this yeah, time so the God ground performs,
0: will be wet. so God performs flawlessly. Yeah,
1: there's, there's no sense in which God doesn't uh, reprimand Gideon, God doesn't in a sense, it's kind of almost, this
0: is where Gideon is right now. This is, and, and there, I think there's two things to say, and I think yours is as uh, where the gold is, but there's two things to say. So just because Gideon puts out the fleece test doesn't mean it is a biblical endorsement of, well, this is how I should right. put right. out the fleece test. Like, I should move forward in faith by saying, God, give me a sign. Yes. Show me a test. Uh, as we see in the New Testament, uh, Jesus shows pretty clearly that uh, signs don't produce faith. Right. Because the Pharisees said, you know, if you showed us a sign, he's like, you already mm-hmm. had one. Mm-hmm. You had Moses, right. you had the prophets. They don't produce faith. Yes. And yet, so there's that to say. So yes. we can reproach ourselves, maybe, but what you just said, I think, is is the just the riches of God's grace. God doesn't reproach Gideon. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. He doesn't say you're
1: out. I'm getting somebody else. Right.
0: He and Gideon is trying to uh, jump ship. <laughs> he's trying to get out. He is. He's, he's hoping
1: he, beyond hope that, yeah. that fleece is not the way. He, it's supposed He's to be. trying yeah. to
0: abort the mission. Yeah. He right. really is. He's trying right. to get out. And and God doesn't uh, God doesn't let him off the hook. Yeah. But he doesn't. He doesn't reproach him. Yeah. He knows I'm right. I'm dealing with children. Right. And and when you're dealing with children, you have to have loads of patience. Yes. And so he condescends, not in a uh, rude way, but he meets him where he is. What I mean by that. Right.
1: I do think too, to your first point, we are in a different part of the story, mm-hmm. you know, to be fair to Gideon, he doesn't have a Bible,
0: yeah.
1: right? Right. He doesn't have, I mean, he grew up in a spiritual situation that was pretty much a mess. Mm-hmm. And so he doesn't have, he hasn't seen God move. A benefit of the doubt,
0: he is, grew up in a pagan home with vague notions right. of vague Yahweh's stories, right. notions, whatever.
1: Right where we have the full bible we have we've seen people's lives changed we probably experienced it hopefully in our own life that this thing that I don't know that we always appreciate the miracle of a changed life and a miracle of true uh, true transformation into Christ likeness that that's that's a, a miracle that he never saw yeah. so we shouldn't need a fleece and I do think there's a danger in taking a clear command of scripture and fleecing it right yeah like go go um you know serve or give or if you really want me to give i'll win the lottery you know (laughs) or whatever where wait have you said that (laughs) (laughs) apparently. No, I think that's where, and I think that's, that's not what Gideon's doing and that not that what Gideon is doing is a pattern for us or an example for us. God gives him grace despite of his doubt or within the midst of his doubt. Um, But I think so that we shouldn't use that as an example in particular, because we're just in a different part of the story where the picture should be much clearer for us.
0: Yeah. And I think what, what we can say is he actually, he, he doesn't need the fleece test. God has been with him, he and he promised need it, right? he shouldn't, right. need, shouldn't it. need it. And right. so that yeah. is the yeah. minor reproach so here to Gideon of, yeah. you shouldn't need this. God has already shown you. Mm-hmm. He's told you. Mm-hmm. And so there is a bit of a,
1: there's an unbelief blocking the uh, trust here. Yeah, so instead of being an example of Gideon's faithfulness, it's an example of God's grace despite yeah. Gideon's, or That's in good. the midst of Gideon's faithlessness or doubt. Yeah. So the fleece thing, uh, probably to get Instagram works out. And then God says, you got too many men. (laughs) Yeah. It's as if you can't make this guy any more scared.
0: You know, we don't have to say a lot about this, but if you're Talk enneagram personality Mm -hmm. test at all. This guy's a six. He's a six (laughs) to the max. He is afraid. He and I'm a six, so he's doubting. He needs assurance. He needs comfort that it's all going to work out just fine. And then it's as if God just presses on his anxiety and fear. Oh, by the way, uh, there's too many people to accomplish this. So you have thirty-two thousand, I think it is, men in your army, and uh, if if we went out and fought and you guys got victory here, I know, y'all, you would take the credit. Right. You would just say, well, look what our hand accomplished for us. Right. That's where they are at this point. Yes. That's their spiritual right. Um, you know, stature right mm-hmm. now. So, yeah, God says, uh, he says, let everyone who's afraid, everyone who's afraid can go right. home.
1: And there's a zillion Midianites. <laughs> there's a gazillion. Right. There's just way more than 32,000. Yeah. Uh, so, so, how I many? 22,000 say... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm afraid, but I did forget something back at the <laughs> back at the house. I left my I sword. I think I left the lights on. Back, I, you know.
0: my smartphone device isn't <laughs> yes, working right. to turn ah, the AC off. I, yeah, gotta go. I gotta go. Home. Uh, so twenty-two yeah, thousand, which is 000. really representative, also of uh, of the nation at the time, but also of Gideon. Like he's 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 emblematic of the fear, like he's trembling. Right. right. So it's it's, it's crazy because the spring that they camp at, the spring of Harad, is means trembling. Mm. So they are camped at mm. the spring of
1: trembling, mm. and 22,000 leave mm. because they're... Is it named that because of this, you think? Or no? I don't know. That's yeah. a good question. Um, so 10,000 is a, an, it's a pretty small number, but God says still too many. Yeah. He takes them down to the river, and those who drink from the river a certain way stay, and those who drink from the river another way, they're out. Yes. And so... Yeah,
0: and if you read the story, this this language and text gets a little jumbled. It's confusing. Are these guys kneeling down with their faces in the water? Are they kneeling down and not? Are they... Who's drinking how and who's staying and how does this all work? Right. And, you know, at some degree, it, the bottom line is this. 9,700 of them... Right. Are drinking in one way that and then they're gonna be dismissed. Right. Yeah. And and it's I it's not important that you can picture the manner of drinking, <laughs> yes, right? Is that what you're right. saying? Yeah, it's not, yeah, that, it's important. not that important. That L- important likely yeah. it is these they have kneeled down and they are bending over their knees with their faces down in the water, and it signifies that they're not aware or attentive to watch for enemies around them. Mm-hmm. And so you have 300 that are there, and they're bringing their hands hands to their mouth, Mm -hmm. and they're lapping up their water Mm -hmm. with hands to their mouth. The idea here is God purifies, and then he refines again, so the 300 have courage and awareness, which is interesting, because the Mm. fearful went home, Mm -hmm. and then the ones who weren't paying attention to be attacked because they're thirsty, Mm. they go home too. Mm. So you do got a good 300.
1: That's is that where the movie comes from?
0: I think, I think the movie is based <laughs> on Gideon. I think if you read the Bible aloud and you watch 300 on mute, uh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. No, I can't endorse no, that. Yeah, Mike, no, did. don't do that. No. <laughs> don't do that. We Good movie, even, though. We don't even, we don't even <laughs> we're already know what rogue movie enough. I have no yes, idea what you're yes, talking about. Right. No, I had no idea. Um, but Gerard Butler did great. <laughs> <in that. laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah listen, so, listen to Chad's sermon. And have three hundred in the background. Yeah, Chad Sermon is the soundtrack. Come to on. Um, so now he's ready, and it's interesting. Like it, it's clear. Like, what is? The, what do you think Gideon's thinking in this point? Where listen, if the Lord doesn't do it, yeah, we're obviously toast. There's three hundred against a gazillion. We don't even have any swords. Yeah. You know, so obviously the Lord has to do it or else mm. it's not going to happen. That's really good. Right. And I think that's okay. That's exactly whatever that place is. I think that's where God wants me most that's of the, the time. Place.
0: That's the sweet spot. And it's probably the place that we most want to avoid. No, we
1: want it handled. We want it. We want the plan. We want it laid out. We want to take failure out of the equation or off the table. Whatever happens, we can't fail.
0: He has past his resources. He has passed his limitations. He he doesn't even bring weapons to the battle. Right. He knows three hundred people don't win the victory in a normal manner. Yes, this is right. this is everything I can wrap my mind around to try to guarantee us victory. Let's toss it out the window. Yeah. So I was past past his resources, yes. right. pushed past limitations. I can't do this. I I can't do this anymore. And uh, like you said, I think. Jesus wants to lead us into those places because Jesus' aim
1: is to make us a dependent person. Mm-hmm. And then there's another reassurance, yet another, like if you are still afraid, mm-hmm. you take you and, your, uh, you and your friend, go down and, and sneak up to the edge of the camp and just listen. Mm-hmm. And so they do that. Uh, and some midnight dude said, Hey, I just had a dream mm-hmm. that I can't remember what was the dream, like some big loaf of bread fell on him or something like yeah, that. Basically. Yeah. Right. And, oh, that means that the, that we're, you know, that uh, Gideon has, the Lord's given us into Gideon's hand, Yeah, which is a, an odd interpretation of, you know, the dream it, uh, it seems like a non-straightforward interpretation, but exactly exactly what happened. And so Gideon hears from the Midianites' mouths, "Hey, we I think I think we're gonna lose. Yeah, I think we're gonna lose this battle, and that the Lord is going to win for us." So it's like the Lord is using the Midianites to speak again to Gideon to say, "I'm gonna win this thing."
0: Yeah, it's so rich. The whole story of Gideon is is really so rich. You could spend and and I would suggest if you have time, read it through several times. Mm-hmm. Take some notes, make some observations, write down something, read it through several times because, yeah, that, that dream is so crazy. Uh, a cake of barley goes in and, and knocks down a tent, and the tent lays flat. Yeah. But it's, it's almost as if it symbolizes how the battle's going to be won. It's absurd. It's so absurd, and, but it's nonviolent right. from Gideon's part. Right. It's a cake of barley. Yeah. Right. So it's this bread that goes in the tent, but it overcomes the tent. And, and yeah, the nights like, yeah, that's Gideon. And so we're in trouble. Yes. So right. you can imagine the fear. Yeah. So, so you know, we don't just want to say, you know, this is God putting all this stuff into the Midianites' heads and he, you know, controlled all them like puppets. There's a real human uh, thing going on here. Mm-hmm. This fear yes. and trembling of, okay, well, their God is coming up against us through Gideon and we're we're in yeah, trouble. We're
1: in trouble. Yeah. Which was true. Yeah. That was, was actually the, the accurate interpretation. Um, and so then how did they... What's their plan of attack? What's their. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, what's their modus operandi? What's their <gasps> military strategy? Yeah, well, 300 dudes. With when some you're jars. down <laughs> in the trenches That's with right. 300
0: and it's a versus a gazillion, I recommend this trumpets in the right hand and jars in the left. Yeah, right. That's going to do it. Yeah. But
1: there you go. Uh, and they break the jars and blow the trumpets. Yeah and the midnight start start yeah. infighting in and killing themselves and running in the confusion and so on and so on. Yeah,
0: and, and it's not too difficult to see how this could happen from a human point of view. It's pitch black, it's the middle of the night, you know the army's coming, you know that you're about to go to battle, you're already on your heels because you're afraid, so it's psychological mm-hmm. warfare. Right. You hear trumpets and jars breaking, and you wake up and it's pitch dark, you're not sure who you're right. stabbing. Out or comes what comes a sword, right. and you start just right. Right, so, going for it. So you're stabbing, you're hacking, and then they're fleeing, right. and they flee. Right, they
1: flee. Um, and so they are defeated by the Lord. Mm-hmm. I mean, quite literally, um, Gideon doesn't take a Midianite person's life at this point. Yeah. Right. yeah, when you think
0: you've come to the end... And you think you've come to the end of your resources mm-hmm. or you think, man, I just can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm so fatigued. I'm so exhausted. I have nothing else to give. I've tried in all my strength and in all my resources, mm-hmm. you may just be at the best place right. possible. Right at the point where all uh, you got a jar yeah. and a trumpet. This you is, got. this is to me, the next page is renewal. Right. It's God yeah. fighting. It's, yeah. you know, God getting you to the place of where he yeah. wants almost like a, I don't mean in like an initial conversion, but like a rebirth sense mm-hmm. of like, Oh, right. That
1: was a significant breakthrough that I needed. So get, they, they jumping ahead, fast forwarding, cause it's a longer story mm-hmm. and we're skipping over some parts. Um, meanwhile, back at the ranch, after the, <laughs> after the battle um, they want to make Gideon their king. Yeah. And so already you suspect they've lost the point or if they ever had it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Already. Already. Something's up. Yes. And so then what is, how does
0: Gideon reply to that? Yeah. So, uh, it's a, it's a really, the, the language is very, very, uh, intentional. They don't use any uh, form of the Hebrew word for king here, and so it's almost as if they know exactly what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Like it would be bad, right, to ask him to formally be king right. over us because God's our king. Yes, but they know what the right answer is supposed
1: to be. Yeah,
0: we know what the right answer. Yeah. But um, would you rule over us and your son and your son's son? Mm-hmm. So the kind of like you're the king, like a king, you're right, hereditary. Yeah. And he says no, yeah no. I will so not. Man, that's so good. Yeah. And that's where the story ends. <laughs> and Gideon, Gideon is a great guy ever after. and we should do what he did. Right. He says, no, I won't rule over you neither my son nor my son's son. But then the very next sentence yeah. is, so he says, but do you have some gold? Yeah. And if you have some gold, you should give it to me. Yeah. And they give him a lot of gold, uh, 41 pounds, mm. 41 pounds, mm-hmm. it's a lot of gold. Mm. Uh, they give him some robes that are purple, mm. which would have signified royalty. royalty. Yeah. So he's got one arm out, saying, "No, I'm not going to mm-hmm. do that." And then he says, "Give me, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, give me the gold." Mm-hmm. Let's. Uh, I see what's going on, right? Here. And he makes an ephod out of this gold, which is, uh, you know, in short, uh, an an object of worship and associated with idol worship, and it becomes a stumbling block for the they're right back into the, like they never even, they skipped right over the peace and prosperity. They got delivered and they went right back into worshiping uh, yeah. an idol again. Yeah. Um, and so what, what happened? It seemed like, okay, you know, the Lord's not with me. Pardon me, Lord, the fleece, you know, the, the, the jars, the whole, the, you know, the drink, the, the, the stream, the, the, you know, 32,000 out of 300 and the victory that obviously the Lord gave. And it almost seems like Gideon then said to himself, "Well, the Lord—I'm now finally convinced the Lord is with me, so I can do what I want." Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. that, that's my interpretation. But this says because I think I recognize that that in myself. Yeah, like I'm now on the Lord's side. So, yeah. look out, world, and that's kind of what he does. Some some aspect of that—that that now I'm. Since I'm on the right side, whatever I do is the actions of the right side. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think yeah, that's good. I think there's a few dynamics here. Um, I think one of them is a is a success and power dynamic. You see that poverty and struggle is easier to hold than power, mm-hmm. and so spiritually, you see, yeah. yeah, spiritually you see that, and uh, you see people abusing power. A lot easier, Uh, but I think you're right. I think the other thing, the other dynamic is that Gideon. uh, It's almost he's he's almost a more attractive character in the beginning stages when he's mildly complaining. Mm -hmm. He's you know I don't get it. Where's God? I'm doubting him. I I have a lot of fear. Now he is uh, some form of of a tyrant. Mm. He is he's almost replaced fear uh, with selfish ambition. Mm -hmm. So now I've got God's favor. And so now my, you know, true entitlement can come out. And, uh, so his, his downfall into that, um, into this ambition is pretty quick.
1: Yeah. So I think that's, if we're, if we're transactionally dealing with God, if we get what we want, that often turns into a bad thing. Like we don't handle that very well. Um, and so I think that there's a lot there for us to sort of wrestle with and struggle with, but I do think we see this, this, this thing going downward. And yet there's a lot there for us to think about, like, where does God really want us? And where were they right where God wanted them? And I thought of this passage in 2 Corinthians 4, where Paul is talking about the gospel, that, you know, 2 Corinthians 4, starting in verse 5 What we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made the light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. So it's not, we don't preach ourselves, we praise Jesus as Lord, that God's given us this light, but we have this treasure, verse 7, in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And then he goes on to say, we're hard-pressed but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. And we carry around in our body the death of Jesus. And this thing where, they're, where the 300 are on, standing before this uncountable army with a jar and a, and a trumpet, mm-hmm. that moment is like, yeah, that's where, that's, that's where it's supposed to be, mm-hmm. like right there. When you've got nothing but the Lord, you you're on mission and you've got nothing but God's power, God's light within you, this treasure that we've been given, we're holding it in jars of clay, um, that there's something there that is both profoundly uncomfortable and scary, and yet probably partly because it's so uncomfortable and scary, right exactly where He wants us to be, so that we will stay close to Him, and we just don't handle prosperity well. yeah. I don't th- I think that's true.
0: We don't handle prosperity well. We don't handle lack of you know some type of struggle, spiritual battle, you know my own personal emotional battle, someone's physical ailment. We want the thorn out of the side. Mm-hmm. Right. Whatever yes. that might be. Right. We want the thorn out of the side. And I think, you know, I the sooner we can come to terms with it as Paul did. Uh okay plead with God take it away God says this is this is your thing this is your wound in the yep. story and you have to embrace right. it like you have to accept it i think it was thomas merton that was like uh who was a 1960s mm-hmm. uh, monastic guy uh ex- you have to accept that you have this pride and this fear and this struggle and this weakness because if you had none of those your spirit would soar off into the ozone Right. And you'd be so spiritually proud, right? But these things that you think, oh, the I'm beset with weaknesses, yeah, and maybe those are. That's a good thing that yep. you have these weaknesses because you yeah. being in tune with those makes you a dependent yeah. person. Yeah, in my weakness, he is strong. in my weakness. So yeah, yeah, God doesn't. When Paul says, you know, I will boast in my weaknesses, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. It's not uh, chronologically sequential. Sequential. Oh, I'm weak. And if I just boast of my weaknesses, then I don't have any weaknesses anymore and I'm strong. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. It's if I land and be like, stay in the place of those weaknesses, Mm -hmm. his strength will show
1: through. Right. I may not feel strong. Yeah. That's okay. Right. It probably doesn't feel comfortable. You probably won't feel powerful. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And so as we close this story, um, it doesn't get, it doesn't get any worse, right? I mean, it can't get any worse. Couldn't. No. Couldn't possibly get any worse. Not in well, this story
0: or the next. Not, right. I mean, I think
1: the rest of the judges must go up from here. I, I had,
0: a, ta- I had a, a subtitle for Judges. I'm going to pitch it your way. Okay. Uh, judges, the original Breaking Bad. <laughs> okay. is, you, yes. who, who could be uh, Walt? <laughs> Samson?
1: Yeah, maybe. Or the people? Maybe the people represent? Yeah, like right. They're just, they, right. They keep Breaking Bad with many opportunities to break good. They yep. just keep oh. Breaking bad, and it gets worse. <laughs> and so, yes, it does get worse Yeah. Uh, and worse. It gets worse a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> until until the book's over. That's right. Uh, so, um, but in that, there's stuff there. Because our world, I mean, it, it just seems so relatable in a lot of ways. Yeah. We look around our world, and it's like, our world seems to be getting worse. And, yeah, it's not the first time. It's not uh, the first it, time. It's happened many times, and God <sighs> is still... He's still exactly where he's always been, even though we may look around in our world and wonder what's going on. Yeah, that's the contrast, I think, for me and
0: Judges, uh, and for me today. The contrast is God's incredible, gracious, uh, you know, love mm-hmm. and his patience of, oh, look at everything that just happened, Judges 6, 7, and 8, and Gideon doubts and is afraid, and the people turn right back to idol worship, and yet God doesn't reproach Gideon for his doubt and fear, and he's eager to save them, knowing full well what's going to happen. The promise is still true,
1: no matter what I do with it. That's the gospel. God saves sinners, and that's right news. That's it. And we'll close with that. That is the gospel. God saves sinners. Go in the grace of the gospel this week, and we will see you next week. Okay, so one of the things that was surprising to me when I read through the story, Chad, is, um, and you're preaching on this week, so I'm sure you did some more research, like, what when does Gideon start going from hotel room to hotel room and putting Bibles in the nightstands?
0: I can't even.
1: I can't even. Like it's not even there. Like it, is that? Not, I mean, I That's right. You've chapter seen the Bible eight point five. Okay. All right. All right. If you, and listeners, let me check the commentaries. Uh, email uh, cmyers at. Uh, I'll check all the commentaries all right. for you. It's got to be in there somewhere. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Rogue Table Talks, a Calvary Church Media Productions podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.